everyone, and welcome to the Rise with the Light podcast. My name is Susan Fink, and this is my weekly podcast dedicated to supporting families raising children with special needs. I'm on a mission to provide hope and positivity through sharing my personal insights, stories, mindset perspectives, and ways to navigate through this journey. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me. I just wanted to tell you that I am so grateful you're listening right now. I have been working on this podcast for a really long time. Actually, it took me two years to start it because I was pushing through my fear, but I launched it two and a half weeks ago and I just hit 100 downloads. And I'm so excited that people are listening. I'm really hoping that I'm helping to inspire and provide support for other families. And I'm just so grateful. So I appreciate so much that you're here. So let's get into today's topic. Are we sleeping? That is a title that I gave this episode because sleep definitely affects everyone in the family. And I know this is a big topic for families, especially with children with autism. Before my son was diagnosed with autism when he was three, I was averaging about two hours of sleep a night because he never slept well. He had a really hard time napping, falling asleep, staying asleep. And as a single mother, it was up to me to get him back to sleep, which meant I never slept. So this really took a toll on me. And as I was also working full time, it was difficult for me to focus on work. I started getting really depressed. That Sleep deprivation is so real and affects so many aspects of your life. Not only that, but children who are not sleeping also have increases in tantrums or meltdowns, different challenges that they're struggling through. It makes it even harder. Just sleep in general is so important for the human body. So I know that this is a really big challenge for a lot of families, and I'm hoping that today I can help not only unpack why children with autism and special needs have challenges sleeping, but what can we do about that to not only help our children, but also help you sleep. Let's unpack why children on the spectrum and children with special needs have a hard time sleeping. When my son was having a difficult time sleeping, I had no idea what was going on. I really didn't know the reasons why he had a really hard time with sleep in general. And I thought maybe it was because of acid reflux or, you know, what he was eating, different things like that. But I started researching and talking to different people about why children on the spectrum have this challenge. And there are a number of theories and every child is different. So there is not a one size fits all theory, but let's go through what they are and what I found in the research that I did. The first theory has to do with social cues. People often know when it's time to go to sleep, and that's pretty normal in terms of understanding your cycles of light and dark and the body's circadian rhythms. So social cues, for example, when a child may see a sibling or a family member getting ready for bed, that is a social cue that it's time to go to sleep. However, children with autism may have a difficult time understanding these cues. If they have a difficult time communicating, they may misinterpret or fail to understand these cues. And when I learned about this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my son. My son already has challenges communicating verbally, But I also know that he has challenges with social cues, and that's something that he continues to work on even over the last few years. So this started making a lot of sense to me. Another theory has to do with the hormone melatonin. 
Melatonin, which I learned a lot about, regulates our sleep and wake cycles. Our body naturally creates melatonin, and it does need an amino acid called tryptophan to create melatonin. And research has found that either higher or lower levels are found in children with autism. Your melatonin levels rise in response to darkness, so the melatonin levels go up at night, and then they should go down during the day. So your typical melatonin levels are naturally rising and falling depending on what time of day it is. And other studies have shown that children with autism don't release melatonin at the correct times of day. So instead, they may have a higher level of melatonin during the day and then lower levels at night, which causes them to really have a hard time sleeping at night. And maybe they're sleeping more or feeling more lethargic or feeling more tired during the day. So it's interesting to see if you're paying attention to your child and the sleep patterns and the daytime patterns, maybe the melatonin level is just different and they're creating the hormone melatonin throughout different times of day at the wrong times of day. Another theory has to do with stimulus that is around your child. If your child is more sensitive to different stimuli such as touch or sound, children who have autism may have a harder time with sleeping because of those things. So while a lot of kids are able to sleep through the night soundly and maybe their sounds and different touches don't really wake them up, Children with autism may wake up abruptly because of those things. So it's important to pay attention to your child and what is going on in their environment to see if that is affecting their sleep cycles. The other theory I was reading about has to do with anxiety. And I know my son has challenges with anxiety. He gets anxious at different stimulus that's going on. If things are too loud, he gets more anxious. If there's something that he's kind of stressed out about with school, he gets really anxious. Children on the spectrum may tend to test higher for anxiety than other children. So this could also have an adverse effect on sleep. Those are some of the theories that I learned about. And when I was reading through all of those and I was learning, I was like, well, this just sounds like a lot like my son. My son definitely has some of these challenges, and I wonder if this is affecting his sleep. And it's really important as parents that we pay attention to what's going on. We really try to identify what could be the thing that's causing them to have a difficult time sleeping, falling asleep, waking up in the middle of the night, all these different cycles that our children are going through. It's important that we really pay attention. And maybe one thing is to journal. Journal every night what's going on with your child. What time did they wake up? What time did they go to sleep? What Or what time did they fall asleep, really? What time did they wake up? Are they getting up in the middle of the night? What is their environment like? Was there a loud noise? Was there something that was bothering them in terms of like their blankets and things like that? I think it's important to try to find a trend. And if you do find a trend, figuring out what are the solutions to that trend. And again, every child is different regarding this. So this is really challenging to really pinpoint what is actually happening. So it's really important to pay a lot of attention to a lot of different variables that could be affecting their, their sleep. So here are some things that you can try and different solutions that I've tried. And this is going to be trial and error. It may take some time to figure this out. And that's not going to help with your sleep or their sleep, but really taking an effort to doing some trial and error. So the first thing is their sleep environment. The bedroom should be dark, quiet, and cool. And as children with autism or other special needs might have different sensitivities to noises or other sensory challenges, the environment should be adapted to make them feel as comfortable as possible. But look at their sleep environment. Is this conducive for them? Is this helping them or is it hurting their sleep? 
The other thing is a bedtime routine. Having a very predictable, consistent, relatively short 20 to 30 minutes bedtime routine is so critical. Creating that predictability, creating that structure helps our children to understand what is coming and what are the things that are going to happen. And when they start doing this consistently, it lets their body know that it is time for bedtime. So their body can start calming down, their brain can start generating more melatonin, you know, it creates this cycle and this predictability. This totally helps my son. My son is super structured. He likes predictability. He likes having a schedule. He likes knowing exactly what we're going to do and in what order we're going to do it. And keeping it consistent has really helped him to understand, okay, this is bedtime. This is me. I need to get my body calm. I need to get my brain ready for bed. And it really does help him and really just having that consistency. So things that we do during our bedtime in this order basically is we take a bath, we get dressed, we brush our teeth, read books, sing lullabies and pray, and then close our eyes and turn the lights off. We also use a sound maker. So we either have rain sounds or ocean waves. And that is the process for us. And it can be more than 30 minutes. 30 minutes is great, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer than that. So I try to allocate at least 45 minutes for a bedtime routine, especially with a bath and everything in between. So again, ours is bath, get dressed, brush our teeth, read books, we sing lullabies and pray, and then the lights go out, the sound maker machine goes on, and then it's bedtime. And it may take him some more time to fall asleep, but this is a consistent bedtime routine that really helps him understand and predict that this is time for sleep. The other thing that we do is we try to make sure that we have a screen time rule, a consistent time at night where we are no longer watching TV on the computer, on a tablet, on a phone, playing video games. We are not in front of any sort of screen. So screen time can really affect your sleep, not only your child's sleep, but you've seen all of the news about blue light and looking at your phone before you go to bed, watching TV, all of those things can really affect your sleep cycle. And I totally believe this. If my son does play video games or watches a video or watches TV too close to the bedtime routine, it definitely has an impact on him being able to fall asleep. So I've compared the two, not having screen time and having screen time too close to a bedtime routine. I can tell a big difference. So this is something you may want to see. You may want to test and trial and error and see if this is something that would help your child sleep. The other thing that helps us is exercise. If my son gets more exercise during the day, like I'm talking more rigorous exercise, not just running around in the front yard or kicking a ball. I'm talking like biking, um, swimming, you know, doing something for an extended period of time. If he is physically active, he actually falls asleep faster and he has a deeper sleep. And that is in general for anybody, right? Exercise in general during the daytime really helps people to sleep. They tire their bodies out and their body is like, okay, I'm ready for sleep. And that may be difficult for children on the spectrum because sometimes our children may not understand that our bodies are really tired and they actually push through that because their brain is not connecting the dots and their brain is not creating that melatonin and their brain doesn't feel that it's communicating with their body that's saying that they're really tired. So this could be something that helps your child or maybe it's something that may not help your child. I think it's worth trying. Another thing that we've tried is a weighted blanket. Weighted blankets are really interesting. They're supposed to help with anxiety, ADHD, and stress. 
I tried a weighted blanket for my son and unfortunately it didn't work for him. He's really hot and he doesn't really like having blankets on him. He likes to kick them off and he has just his pajamas and he's okay with sleeping without blankets. And maybe that's because it feels restricted or he gets really hot. He's kind of a hot body. Weighted blankets didn't really help him, but I've heard and I've seen that weighted blankets have helped children with autism and other special needs. So it could be something worth trying. One other thing I wanted to point out was that make sure you get an age-appropriate weighted blanket. I really didn't know there were different weights to the blankets. I mean, it makes sense now that I'm talking about it out loud, but there are different weights to weighted blankets. And so when I was getting one for my son, I got, I think it was a six-pound weighted blanket. When I got one for myself, it was a 12-pound weighted blanket. So there are different weights. So make sure you're looking at the labels and you're getting the appropriate weighted blanket for the age of your child. The last thing here is melatonin. If you want to explore this option of getting prescribed melatonin for your child, talk to your child's doctor. I wouldn't recommend just starting to give your child melatonin and figuring out the dosage on your own. I would definitely talk to your child's doctor and figure out what is the best solution and how to start them on melatonin if that's something you want to try. I did not use melatonin for my son. I tried a bunch of other different techniques and different things that I researched and Like I said, there's no one answer to solve this and it really have to work on navigating what's best for your own child. So if you do want to talk to your doctor about melatonin, I say go for it. Figure out what could be a good solution for them and figure out what are also the side effects of that. And also what are the long-term effects of prescribing melatonin for a child? I really don't know anything about that, but I've read about melatonin. I've seen other parents try melatonin and it has been successful for them. So I definitely would consider that if that's something that you're comfortable with. It is not a one size fits all. There is not one way to solve this for every single child. Everyone's different. Again, you may have to test and learn. You may have to have trial and error and it's going to take some time, but keep working at it. I worked on it for so many years and my son finally is able to fall asleep and stay asleep for a majority of the nights. I would say about 80%. He's doing all of that. And there are days when he wakes up in the middle of the night still. There are days when it's hard for him to calm down and to get his body into a sleep cycle, into a sleeping rhythm. But keep at it. I know this is so hard and it's even harder when you're sleep deprived. So just keep at it. So what about your sleep? So we've addressed why kids with autism and special needs may have a challenge with sleep. We've addressed some solutions for your child and what you can do to help them. But what about you? Sleeping affects everyone. When our children don't sleep, we don't sleep. I totally experienced this firsthand and it is exhausting. I mean, I was working off two hours of sleep every single day, trying to be a mom, trying to work full time, taking care of the house, doing everything. I mean, as I mentioned, I'm a single parent, so I'm doing it all on my own without any help and doing it without sleep. It is really difficult. What are the things that you can do to help you sleep? I'll tell you some things that I stopped doing. I'll start there because there were things that I was doing that was negatively affecting my sleep. And I really had to give those things up and I had to focus on really trying to get the sleep because sleep makes the world a different place. Without sleep, it is so negative and draining and exhausting. And with sleep, it is brighter and lighter and easier. And I totally know this firsthand. So the things I no longer do that no longer work for my sleep is number one, I no longer drink alcohol. I used to reach for that glass of wine or maybe two, three, however many glasses of wine after my son went to bed. So once he finally fell asleep, 
I'd be like, I need some mommy juice. It's mommy time. I'm going to have some wine. And that's my reward basically for getting through the day. And while some people say that wine helps them sleep or alcohol in general helps them fall asleep, it definitely does not provide a restful sleep and it totally disrupted my sleep. I would wake up in the middle of the night wide awake. It would definitely make me pass out, but I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would have the worst quality of sleep. So I would recommend, I mean, if you look at what you're doing late at night, maybe making a change and figuring out, okay, this is not helping me. The other thing I don't do, and I try not to, this is hard because I love ice cream and I love chocolate and I love sweets. I have the biggest sweet tooth, but I try not to eat any sugar after 5 or 6 p.m. When I do that, I notice a huge difference in my quality of sleep. I sleep so much better. I fall asleep so much faster. It just has to do with the sugar I'm putting in my body. That includes drinks, like any sort of sugary drinks, any sort of candy, ice cream, chocolate, whatever that is, sweets, pastries, anything. I mean, I love, 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 love sweets. So I try to have sugar during the day. I allow myself to eat ice cream in the afternoon. I allow myself to eat whatever kind of sugar I want, but it needs to be before a certain time. And I really have noticed a big difference. I also used to watch TV when I was drinking that wine. I used to watch TV and watching TV or being on my phone and doing things on the computer at night really does disrupt my sleep. So personally, I know that that blue light definitely affects me. And even if I wear blue light glasses, that doesn't matter. And my brain is just going. And because I have a hard time already with turning my brain off and I'm constantly going, that's something that I just had to stop. Now, I do have a hard time letting go of my phone. I usually look at it before I go to bed, and that's something I'm actually trying to break. I'm trying to break that habit because I know when I actually don't look at the phone, I sleep better. So there's a direct correlation for me personally. The other thing is worry. I am a worry wart. I used to worry all the time, and I had to find ways of letting go of that worry. And I'm actually going to do another episode on worry later But worry definitely keeps me up and I've had to practice different things to help me let go of the worrying that I was doing. And it really just didn't get me anywhere. I'd worry about something that would happen 10 years from now. And it's like, why am I worrying about that? That's so silly. And how can I let go of those thoughts? And I had to find different ways to be able to handle that and let go of it. And I'm going to talk about that again in another episode, but that's definitely something that would keep me up. So here are some things that I do now. I have my own bedtime routine. Bedtime routines are not just for children. They're also for adults. Getting into a routine, doing things consistently, taking those steps, making it consistent and predictable so that my body knows that it's time to sleep. My brain knows that it is time to unwind. It is time to sleep. So having a bedtime routine has really helped me a lot. Reading at night, meditating, praying, Those things have really helped me too, to just shut my brain down, to let go of things from the day, to let go of the worry, and to be able to get my mind clear and sleep. The other thing I do is journal. I don't do this every night. I probably should. And just if I'm being honest here, journaling definitely helps me get my thoughts out. So a lot of times I would get into ruminating thoughts and just like a thinking cycle, and I couldn't stop it when I was going to sleep. So meditation, prayer, and journaling help me to relieve those thoughts so that my brain can just relax and fall asleep. The other thing is breathing exercises. I mentioned the 478 breathing method in episode three, and this has really helped me to fall asleep. It is supposed to help you reduce your anxiety, reduce your stress, and help you relax and basically just slow down. 
Breathing helps your body realize that you need to slow down. I find that this breathing method helps me, but there are a lot of other breathing methods out there. So find something that works for you or even just breathe. Take a deep breath. I am a shallow breather, so taking deep breaths even just calms my body down regardless of the method. And the last thing that I tried was a weighted blanket. I mentioned I got a 12-pound weighted blanket for myself. I thought that would help me with my anxiety and my stress, and it definitely has helped other people. I'm not saying this is not going to help you, but it didn't help me. It just was too much weight for me. I felt uncomfortable and kind of restricted, and I didn't like that feeling. But I have heard that it has helped people, so that could be something you may want to consider too. Buy your child a weighted blanket and then buy yourself a weighted blanket and see if that helps you with your own sleep. This is a topic that really affects so many people. Whether your child has autism or other special needs, I totally get it. It's really hard on everyone when one person in the family is not sleeping and that has a residual effect on the rest of the family, and I totally get it. I really hope this episode has helped you at least give you some ideas, some perspectives, and maybe if you've heard these things before, it just helps reinforce the things that maybe you can try or gives you some other new ideas that you haven't tried before. That's it for this episode. I really hope that this helps you. If you can relate to this, please subscribe and follow this podcast so that you don't miss another episode. And I'm curious, what do you do to help your child with sleep? And what do you do to help yourself with sleep? I'm curious, DM me, let me know. I'd love to hear if there are other things that work for you that I just didn't know about. So I would really love to hear from you. And as you know, my mission is to help as many people as I can, and I cannot do that without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for helping me get to the 100 mark on downloads on this podcast. Thank you for your support and sharing this podcast with others as well so that we can spread the message and help others too. And until next time, I appreciate, I empathize, and I am here for you. And we can.